Good morning, sir. Good morning. How's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good. Going pretty good. Yeah. This is, I think, the most crowded podcast we've ever done. Yeah, there's like people laughing at us right now. Uh, yeah. I can see them. <laughs> yeah. So this is kind of a special art of product because for the first time, uh, we are being joined by the rest of Tuple. Yeah, yeah. Welcome, Joel and Spencer. Happy to be here. Hello, world. Yeah. So Derek, you are thoroughly outnumbered on this one. I am. Yeah. It's like a, it's a tuple sandwich. Yeah. It's, uh, it's weird that it's been so long that, uh, we went without having you guys on. So I'm psyched you guys are here. It's going to be interesting to talk live. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for, thanks for finally having us on. I'm excited <laughs> too. Yeah, dude. Totally. So, um, we thought that we would kick off by doing a stand up because maybe that's the best way to get a sense of what's going on in tuple land and Derek land. And we need to do our daily stand-up anyway, so let's just do it here. So I will actually lead off. So yesterday I did uh, a live stream for MicroConf. So I was uh, on and basically did like a 30-minute Q&A with Rob. And actually, I think the best thing that came out of that was I mentioned on that that I've been getting pretty hammered with sales requests. Someone reached out and was like, yo, I run a software company and I recently transitioned from being a CEO doing all the sales to having a sales team of three. And uh, I have thoughts for you. And I was like, let's talk right now. So we immediately jumped on a call and it was just super helpful. Uh, this was Nick Davies, by the way, of Dentally. And uh, he like basically gave me the whole rundown of how they felt the pain, transitioned what they did. And I came out of that call being like, great, we need to hire in sales. This is the answer. This is not the best thing for me to be working on. And so, and like other people can solve this problem and other people know how to solve this problem. So uh, right after that call, I wrote up a job description for an account exec and started sharing that around and him getting feedback, feeling pretty excited about that. Uh, also sent an email late last night uh, about the latest changes that I think you guys are going to get into. And today I'm doing this, I'm making edits to that job posting based on what people are giving us for feedback and hoping to get it live today. And then later today, I have a meeting with uh, a security firm about a pen test. Nice. Spencer, you want, you want to go? Yeah, sure. So yesterday I started off the morning uh, working on Tuple University. So we have our uh, first engineering hire start Monday. His name's Don Goodman. And uh, I've been putting together a number of like educational videos to level him up on what we're doing, how our systems work, checklist of all the tools he's going to need to get installed, that sort of thing. After that, I started working on this crash that we've had for quite some time uh, involving dual cursors. So people could get put in the state where whenever they would start a call and dual cursors was the default cursor mode, it would automatically crash on the other peer's system. Uh, it's related to this very low level IO kit code that we do that's a little hacky to make the dual cursors experience work. Shout out to the rest of the world. If anyone knows why IO hid manager open could fail, <laughs> I would love to hear from you. Uh, I have not been able to find anything useful on the interwebs. Uh, hopefully, Don will have some good ideas. But for the time being, I, I did a little workaround where if that crash occurs, it will automatically transition from dual cursors to tag team, and it'll let the guest know that that, that call failed on their host machine. So sorry if you experienced that. Know that we're on it, and we'll get a better fix in the future. But that's what it is now. <laughs> Uh, the last thing I did yesterday was later on in the evening, Joel and I did a big release to transition all of our user base to the new WebSocket signaling backend. Uh, we're 
very excited about this. It'll be a lot more reliable, uh, hopefully a lot faster too. So these servers are globally distributed. So the latency times between uh, sending messages to start calls should go down drastically. Uh, prior to this, all our servers were just located in Virginia. And so if you were you know, in the UK or Australia, that's a, that's a long time. That was my yesterday. Today, I am going to be working on improving some labels and tooltips for icons in the UI. That's been a source of massive confusion for many months now. Uh, this is somewhat of a Band-Aid solution. We have in the pipeline to get a more fully featured UX UI rewrite, but at least for the time being, it should avoid confusion for new users. And then I also would like to get a couple more videos recorded to level up Don to get him started. So that that's my day. What's up, uh, Art of Productonians? This is Joel. Uh, yesterday, uh, I shipped a couple of backend uh, like team management features that have been the source of a lot of the support burden. So hopefully making those self-service is going to slow that down. That was like reactivating canceled teams and transferring, uh, basically like accepting an invite to a team if you already have an account on a different team. So those two things were like email support and Joel will do it for you manually since the beginning of Tuple and now you can do those yourself. And then after that deploy, I ended up uh, shipping a couple of hot fixes for like edge cases that came up in prod once people started using it, but it looks pretty clean now. I migrated the backend user interface along with Ben and also with a little help from Adam Adam Wathen to the newest version of Tailwind. So we had, we had been all stuck on this like old pre 1.0 version of Tailwind and you know we bought Tailwind UI and we're really excited about using it, but we have to actually upgrade to Tailwind 1.2 to do that. Um, and then yeah, with Spencer last night, along with the Ably release, this was sort of coordinated with another big data migration because the way that guest users work, we needed to take all of the unpaid guest users that were associated with individual teams and move them off into like an independent team, which for technical reasons, but also for long-term goals of uh, sort of breaking that requirement that users be associated with teams. Um, did a ton of support. Oh yeah, and I set up Churnbuster as a um, sort of dunning for payment failed and we got our first recovery from them. So that that's looking pretty good. I like their style compared to like the more bare bones one that comes with Stripe. Yeah, so today um, I wanna look into a slightly deeper Churnbuster integration. They are currently hosting the page externally, but they have a kind of a cool way of like giving you the code that you can host internally on your domain. So it looks a little bit nicer to users, looks a little safer, but they still can sort of provide all the code and they handle it for you. I'm going to be monitoring the infrastructure. So after the Ably release, it drastically reduced our Heroku server requirements. And so we scaled that down, saved thousands of dollars a month already. Um, so we're going to be monitoring that and sort of seeing what the right balance is between like being very safe on the amount of resources we have provisioned uh, while also saving money. And we probably can get into doing some auto scale on the web, which we couldn't do before since so much of the load was these, this availability, which was really dangerous to scale down and get below because it would cause this like cascading effect of, you know, things crashing. And so that was pretty unacceptable to never have or to at any point not have a lot of headroom so now we can maybe get into some smarter scaling and save money on the weekends i've been shaping up a couple of other sort of team management reduce the support load features like switching who the team owner is on a team and some guest management things so i'm going to do some more work on shaping up those and hopefully get working on them soon a uh, bunch more support we got a massive support queue that we've been working through 
and uh, recording a podcast. So that's where I am now. Derek. All right, I'll finish out this here stand-up. Um, let's see. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yesterday. I'd like I... to point out that Derek is sitting. So <laughs> yeah, what's what's up with that? <laughs> yeah, I ha- I'm I'm sitting in front of a desk that is capable of standing, and yet I refuse to do it. <laughs> so for my sit down yesterday, I had a mastermind call with my Tiny Seed Mastermind group, and we actually had a mastermind call the previous day and ran out of time. So there was a lot of there was a lot of ground to cover with that group. So that's always fun uh, thinking about other people's challenges for a little bit and lending your advice as as you can. I always find that kind of enjoyable. I did some kind of product exploration work around the new thing that I'm vetting, digging into some some API documentation, trying to get my head around kind of scope of like if I were to cut a first version of this thing, how much work would that really take? What would the tech stack look like and how could I do this in the most efficient way without letting um, perfect being the be the enemy of good enough? So explored with that a bit. And today I'm going to kind of continue that effort and probably do some outreach to some more folks to get some calls booked for next week to do some more uh, jobs to be done interviews. Is the new thing drip too? <laughs> uh, I can say that it is not drip too. Okay. <laughs> yes. Good. I'm pretty sure you get pretty sued. <laughs> pretty sued. That yeah. your name. Yeah, I, I think cool. so. <laughs> so, Derek, we, we talked about maybe you having some questions for these guys because I kind of know them too well at this point. Yeah, no, um, I did. I wrote down a number of a number of different questions. I guess the, the first one I'd like to start with uh, here from from both of you is what's it really like working with Ben? He eats a lot of food. Mm. yes he is a he is a tall fellow he's he's always hungry but (laughs) he also is like singing or whistling like pretty much all the time he's a very very good whistler i don't think there's been whistling on this podcast but it's actually really impressive (laughs) you may have to whistle us out today ben (laughs) oh yeah i I, it's so hard because joel has like told me that this is an annoying habit but it is like really subconsciously ingrained at this point and it's so hard for me to even like notice i'm doing it I'm playing it up now, though. It's much, much better than it was before I said something about it. I figured it would make good podcast fodder. This is not me, like, calling you out right now, Ben. <laughs> no, this is the time. We should, we should just, just go <laughs> on the record. <laughs> it's awesome. Like, Ben is extremely thoughtful, super empathetic. He, like, checks in with me regularly on all my weird habits and, like, psychology bugs. Uh, Joel, you want to do you have other... Yeah, it's like, uh, it's funny, Ben's been pretty torn away from the day-to-day programming, but he still provides very, very good, like, Rails PR reviews. Having, like, a really good code reviewer is just awesome for the quality of the app and also, like, my development. So I've been doing most of the back-end coding, but Ben can provide very fast and, like, very incisive, you know, drawn from many, many years of experience uh, background on that. So that's been awesome. So his, like technical skills are still quite well represented in the day-to-day code, even if he's like not like doing most of the the frontline like feature development. So that's been awesome. Have you guys considered revoking his Git push credentials? Like is he too much of a cowboy <laughs> coder now? <laughs> no. If anything, he's less of a cowboy coder than us because we're like, oh my God, we have so many things we need to do. We're so far behind. Let's ship this. And Ben's like I'm going to come in. I'm going to do it the right way, the ThoughtBot way. We're going to have a test for every single code path. It's going to be perfect and beautiful. 
so no, I would say Ben's code quality is probably higher than our code quality, for better or worse. I think we've benefited immensely from like having somebody who's like willing to like do the the pricing thing early on. I know this is the thing you've talked about a ton on the podcast, but I think those decisions made a long time ago to really try to do the the right thing for the business on the pricing front has enabled us to be a lot more successful than we would be if we took if we were just like so insecure in the quality of our product that we just made it freemium from the beginning. Yeah, along those lines, like I'm curious, how do you guys divvy up your responsibilities around thinking about kind of the high level business? Because I know you guys are in in the code a lot, obviously, and Ben is less so. But are you guys regularly like getting together and talking business strategy? Or is that kind of more sitting on Ben's plate where he comes to you with stuff? Or like, how does that how does that dynamic work? We used to talk a lot about that when we were rock climbing regularly, like out in the real world. Now we tend to have a little sit down powwows in Joel's second bedroom. I think there's a number of decisions that I fully trust Ben to make, and I don't really need him to come ask me for my opinion. For example, the pricing thing that Joel was just talking about, like he is the responsible party for pricing. Whatever experiments he wants to run, as long as it's not going to like totally destroy my paycheck next week. I'm fine with. We're all self-aware enough to know when we need to ask the other people uh, their opinion and whether or not they should be involved. We've been doing pretty well with written written stuff. So we've been using twist threads. And so it's pretty it's it's a pretty common occurrence for three paragraphs of Ben to show up in in a twist thread describing like an idea for a direction to go in something, something business related, whether it's the ongoing discussion about hiring or or like a design element or, or a pricing thing or onboarding, that sort of thing. So that, that, that's been a common venue now as well. We're, tr- we're trying to do more of that. It's been successful. Yeah, what's Twist been like? Because you guys used Slack for a little while, right? And then kind of switched, switched over. And for those who don't know, Twist is very similar. If you've listened to this podcast, it's very similar to the level vision of threaded and, and all that good stuff, more, more asynchronous friendly. So what's it been like, like shifting from the, a, a real-time chat world into, into Twist? I think it's been good. We've started using this newer app Linear for basically to get like a, you know, Kanban board, like sort of a Trello style, but it's got some, it's got a sort of style and UX that we like, you know, it's been a little bit uncertain sort of like what should live in that versus like what should live in like, in like twist threads. Whereas if you had like just chat, it'd be really clear, like, no, the structured stuff lives in your product management tool and the chat lives in your chat. But having the threads available means that, okay, well, actually you can have, you know, these longer, more thought out discussions asynchronously happening in the threads. So we're still kind of working on how to how to sync those up. But overall, it's been it's been good, I think. I mean, compared to just using Slack, it's way better. Is anything going to change about the way you communicate now that you're bringing on someone who's remote and not able to be sitting in the back bedroom? I mean, I think it's going to be harder. Like adding even just one remote person definitely changes the game. Uh, I think it'll be somewhat mitigated by the fact that Spencer and Don are going to be pairing a lot. So um, there'll be kind of a, a pretty direct conduit between the in-person people and the remote person. But I do expect that there'll be bumps in the road and like the whole like, we're going to need to invest more effort in like communicating the stuff that we talk about in person and making sure like we're all aligned and know what's going on. And since we're looking to hire more, most likely this problem will just kind of keep being a problem. That's the challenge, I guess. So like Tuple is obviously a very like deeply technical product compared to like your typical CRUD SaaS app, right? And if I remember correctly, like neither of you were like 
hardcore low level back end devs to start with? How did you go about like learning everything you need to know to build this like amazing tool that you've produced? My process has been one step at a time. Like there's been so many different pieces of technology we need to learn, different areas of programming that we need to level up in. And generally I will buy some books, read those books. Then I'll start with building a little sample application that applies the theories and ideas that I'm learning in those books. And then I'll see how that feels. Usually in that process, I have more questions. And then either I'll ask some of my friends who maybe know that domain, or I'll find another book that then answers those questions. I would say that's actually a big struggle for me in Tuple is that I feel like I'm pulled in so many different directions and I feel like I'm I'm a very much a generalist right now where I'm like, okay, at a lot of different things. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to the future where maybe I'll get to focus more on one thing, like maybe spend an entire month just on tuning our video uh, encoder to make it as good as possible. I'll, I will toot Spencer's horn in that I think he is like one of the best people I've ever seen at this one of the biggest components is just like being unafraid to actually dive in there and do it. Looking at a 500,000 line C++ code base or like multi-million line, I don't even know, enormous C++ code bases and like the breadth of technologies that are involved in real-time streaming. And he just like has been like pretty voracious at like buying books, building sample apps, trying things, learning this new language, watching videos. And it's, it's, it's been inspiring to see, honestly. A lot of YouTube, a lot of YouTube. <laughs> I think I also have a fear of black boxes, which serves me very well, where if I'm building a tool on top of another tool and I don't understand how that black box works, it makes me very uncomfortable. I get like a lot of anxiety. <laughs> so I've been able to harness that anxiety uh, in trying to figure out how those underlying tools work. And then it makes it a lot easier to build on top of. That's a good skill to have, to have that curiosity about like what's happening under the hood. I find myself getting very skeptical of Right now, some of the APIs I'm exploring come with like these really monolithic, heavy-handed like client libraries that do a bunch of magic under the covers, and like I'm never, I'm like never satisfied with that because I'm like, oh, something could go wrong deep in there, and I have no idea how it's working. Right, <laughs> so I totally yeah. get that. Yeah, That's scary. Does the tuple code base now that it's that it's getting well aged at this point after a couple of years working on it? Does it feel does it feel legacy? Or does it feel like less fun to work in? Or have you managed to to combat that? Yeah, there there are parts that definitely feel less <laughs> less fun to work in. Uh, we're starting to get some files that if I told you the line count on radio, people would probably burn me at the stake. So I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, but I think that we've done a good job of allocating time to refactoring and cleaning things up as we go. Uh, in particular, this big WebSocket refactor, changing our backend, clean up a lot of code that was causing a lot of crashes and uh, various race conditions that were causing issues. I don't think it's as much the code base that's that's affected my motivation than feeling somewhat alone in the code base. I'm really excited to have Dawn start on Monday and be able to... Um, just have somebody to talk about how ridiculous some of the stuff is that I have to deal with, I guess, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, oh, I go to this Apple documentation and the documentation is non-existent. It just says the name of the function. It's like, well, how do I figure this out? I guess I just have to trial and error a hundred times to see what this function does until I figure out how it's supposed to work. 
um, or I search GitHub for all use cases of this function in the entire like code sphere universe and see how other people are using it and try and um, derive its intended functionality from those use cases. But yeah, so the code base is a little gnarly in parts, but um, for the most part, we've done a good job of being able to devote the time to, to clean it up. I wish there was more test coverage. That's the biggest thing. Like we have pretty much non-existent test coverage on the client. We have very good test coverage on the back end. I think I still just don't even know what the best way to go about testing the tuple client is. It, like I, in development, I have to have multiple machines. I don't know how I would write some sort of test harness that like accepts calls from multiple machines, deals with like Bluetooth devices not syncing, things like that. There's certain things that you really just need to manually have a big checklist and go through. I feel like we uh, web developers are pretty um, spoiled with our <laughs> with our tooling around doing our relatively simple setup of like spin up a database and insert a record and verify that it's there and like all this like logic that looks really, really uh, easy compared to uh, a you know, native client. Yeah, I think it's still complicated, but it is nice that you can control all of the components and, and have it all self-contained. Um, I do miss that a lot sometimes. So it is nice when I get to do some rail stuff and be able to be back in that environment, which I was you know, a part of for a long time. So in the early days, Spencer and I were both like pretty just like knee deep, heads down on getting mostly the native app working. But then as like the business has gotten bigger and we had more customers, then like I've mostly transitioned to in the time that I'm not occupied doing like operation stuff and support to doing like backend work in order to like make that stuff easier. It's been a little rare recently that I've done like features in the Mac app, which is part of why like it's so important to get a second, a second head uh, in the Mac app with Spencer. So he's not just like alone there. My ability to give um, meaningful PR reviews to the Mac app code has like steadily declined over time as like I've missed like fully grokking like more and more of the systems that have been built in there. Um, so for me, it's like I'm kind of being a Rails developer, which is comfortable and familiar, uh, as well as doing uh, a lot of customer facing communication, which is not so familiar, but I'm feeling pretty comfortable with at this point. So I've been doing it for a long time now. Just one thought on the, the legacy parts of the client, which is I was realizing there's no way to have no legacy parts of that code base because you guys were learning as we went. So it's like your own knowledge was improving. So stuff you haven't touched in a while is going to be worse than the code that you actually know how to write now. Yeah, and sometimes I take the knowledge that I've learned and rip out the old parts. They're like, oh, I was totally using the wrong APIs to do those type of things. Now that I know how Cocoa development works, clearly I should have used these APIs. And that, that's been a common occurrence, but it happens like very slowly here, here and there over time. I remember with Drip, I, um, you know, after a year and a half, two years in, you know, micro pivots along the way from this simple email capture thing to full, full blown automation, there were a number of decisions made that like, I really wished I could change <laughs> at a certain point, but like, we're too deeply embedded into the, into the product, maybe, you know, part of the UX, like it would have been too big of a, a shift to, to rip that out. Do you have a little list going in your heads about like, oh, if I could start from scratch, I would do this thing differently? Like one of, the, one of the things that's giving us some trouble now is we have a lot of features in the like UX of the Mac app that were all added one at a time. So we started out where it was like just audio and screen sharing one way. And then we added the ability to like switch who's sharing their screen. And then we added the ability of like bringing in a third person who can just look and talk. And we added in webcam. And then we added in the idea of having an audio only call 
that isn't actually involved screen sharing. And so as we've done that, we've had to kind of like tack the new feature access like into the UX in a way that isn't really, it wasn't really like a holistic decision to do. And so Spencer was alluding during the standup to, you know, this icon change and basically like the icons right now in the, in the popover, like don't really make that much sense because they're sort of representative of like what the, what kind of like the default state of things are, which doesn't necessarily match the UX, assuming that you have like kind of all these tools available to you, you know, the webcam and the screen and the, and the microphone. So I think that's been one thing where if we, I mean, I'm not saying we did the wrong thing to start small and get it out there, but if we knew we were going to build an app and we had the time to do it that had all those features in there, um, we probably would have like had designs for that ready. So we, so when, so when we got there, we could, um, you know, we could put those in a way that, that makes sense to people. I have a different thing, which is we have this assumption that all users are on a team. And so you can't have no team and you can't have multiple teams. And the can't have no team part is already painful and causes these weird, goofy hacks. I had this this sinking sense that eventually we're going to regret making it so you can have one or zero teams and not just team, like some array of teams, maybe empty. So I almost want to start refactoring this to basically just process over a collection of teams that may be empty and just only use like Ruby enumerable methods, like map over things and do stuff, but like don't assume anything about the array of, of team memberships in there. Yeah. That's, I mean, these, this account kind of account to user, to subscription, to billing unit, to like all like this, this data modeling around this, I've, I always end up leaning more towards nowadays doing everything as a, as a kind of like a many to many type of situation. Um, but then it's always cha- it's tricky too because because you want to try to foresee whether you're going to need all that complexity because sometimes it does like get annoying every time you have to deal with the case of like there could be zero one or more than one so it's like a, it's always a balance of like is it worth baking in this flexibility so that down the road maybe I can model it this way or mm-hmm. or not you know yeah I'm excited to to eventually derive the perfect <laughs> SAS schema mm-hmm. <laughs> and like polymorphic relationships between things and like yeah. can a user have a subscription can a team have a subscription do you have an organization concept mm-hmm. like who owns what can you have what's many to many and like someday i think i will know the answer to this i'm gonna start the like the best modeled SaaS app ever yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> the way we've had this set up has i think helped with our strategy from a business perspective So our initial conception of this was like, oh, we should give it to freelancers or like we should like target this to freelancers because that was kind of who we knew um, and who like were we sort of knew were climbing for this and we already had network connections to. But it became pretty it became clear pretty soon that um, that like teams was like really where we were had like the most revenue opportunity and modeling it such that the, the data model in the UX kind of encourages people to get assembled into teams that have one billing is, you know, as opposed to saying, oh, well, let's have everybody pay independently and then let's give you ways to like clump together into teams. That would probably not have been good from, you know, like we would have had to deal with so many more people and so many more card failures. um, And we would have been, and lots of teams don't want to have to put it on their personal card and get expensed you know, like, so I think the way that we sort of set it up really encourages it to spread and uh, be convenient for, for teams to use. So I think that's been good. But, you know, obviously, like now that we have in the future, we can make it more flexible and sort of support more use cases. 
Yeah. Yeah. But for the ramen profitability, oh. that was very helpful. So I want to give airtime for Joel and or Spencer to properly tell the story about the most recent uh, engineering challenge you guys uh, overcame, because I hear that that Ben did not deliver it in a satisfactory way. Joel, I feel like you have to take the lead on this because you were the most annoyed. <laughs> so now it's on you, buddy. So was this just was this just last Wednesday? No, this has got to be two Wednesdays ago. Two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. We, we got this big surge of of inbound customers as like there was this big move remotely. And we had this one particularly large customer that was already the biggest customer who went from having something like 300 or 400 users to like 700 users. And there was just this tipping point that happened somewhere in that range where the amount of time that this like, you know, really inefficient algorithm for distributing the available users lists just exploded and you basically just couldn't complete it in a time like it, you know it was essentially never be completed and it would clogged up our queues and everything we did eventually push what ended up being a fix that enabled us to stabilize for a couple of weeks uh, until this final rollout of that fix which was last night but in the meantime we had to do some some pretty extreme like on the on the fly stuff so ben like completely changed the way that the queuing Work so a bunch of jobs that were being executed in line were moved to background jobs, and that like that that was sort of done live. Uh, and then Spencer, in order to do the smaller, oh yeah, fix, we also switched to sidekick. Oh yeah, sorry, <laughs> I forgot. We, uh, yep. Whoa. Switched to sidekick during this <laughs> yeah. thing. Let's just swap out the queuing system. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> and so yeah, so exactly. So it's like you know we didn't we didn't even when this started we didn't have like a dashboard we could look at and see like how the queues are doing. And so yeah, so we so we backgrounded all these jobs, and then we realized that wasn't enough. We Completely, we like rebooted the servers a bunch of times and scaled it up to the maximum that Heroku would let us do, uh, which also helped somewhat, but not quite enough. And then when we were, and then when we decided that okay, let's rush out for just this one team support for Ably, Spencer pointed out that there's actually like a, a UI on the Mac app that just hadn't even been started to be written, which was necessary for this to actually work. And so in the course of like two hours in the afternoon on a Wednesday and Spencer like wrote this whole UI and API calls and basically just like rushed out this thing, which had been sort of in like percolating and planning, but we were planning on doing like a more elaborate version of this. And so the like simple version that we could get out fast, which, which Spencer had been advocating for uh, <laughs> and the rest of us have been kind of like, Oh, you know, now we should do this more elaborate thing or we should like wait for the design, you know, like look at all these designs we got for this and, and everything. Uh, so we, we're just like, no, this is emergency mode. We're going out. So we actually had to do like a native app release uh, that went out. We ended up taking the user ID or the team ID. It's, it, it's ugly. Yeah, the, yeah. the team ID <laughs> of that one team ended up like hard coded in the in the Mac app yeah. code <laughs> and was hard coded in the back end code because we had to because uh, we had to sort of like basically you know all of those jobs that would normally be sent to them. We had to be like, oh no, if the team ID is this, just like skip this. Um, it got to the point where we uh, hard coded in five extra team mm-hmm. IDs, oh, yeah. of teams we created in case we got big customers, so we could throw them on those teams <laughs> yeah. and not yes. have to do another yeah. native. Deployment. So we have like we have like this, you <laughs> big boy team number one and like big boy team number two yeah. like sitting in the database. <laughs> you've not run a production software as a service product until you've hard coded in some IDs. Yeah. I mean that I feel like that's achievement unlocked mm-hmm. right there. <laughs> 
So what was the what was the mood in the room as this was going down? Where was it? Was everyone stressed out? Were you pumping coffee? Were you trying to do the opposite? Were you taking shots? Like what were you? <laughs> <laughs> there was not what was it like? not very much substance abuse. That that I didn't even think of not, that. Oh yeah. good, That's yeah. <laughs> I think it was stressful, but in a good way because we were all together and we were all in the trenches together. Uh, I felt like I was feeding off of Joel's and Ben's energy, and I think they were probably feeding off my energy. And like we had a solution in sight. I had been thinking about this problem for like months. Like this was the thing keeping me up at night for a while. And so luckily, like I had already been like kind of pr- like preparing for this moment. It worked out. Yeah. Like yeah. So you've, you've got to resolution then within the span of one day, basically. I mean, cranking out this UI and then doing a release. So we reduced all the load on the back end by taking that big customer off. But then we started having other customers who were getting big. And so we continued seeing some problems, but it was nothing that we couldn't manage by increasing server size and throwing money at it. And luckily, we were making a lot more money as more people were onboarding. So kind of offset that. Yep, yep. Making money helps for sure. <laughs> it's nice to not be giving away a, a free thing mm-hmm. when you need to throw thousands of dollars a month at something to scale it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, I feel like the mood in the room was like real, relatively calm. Like we're all each like doing a thing and like doing our parts and trying to ship stuff quickly, and mm-hmm. felt like we were we were relatively pretty pretty chill. It just reminded me of I um so at my like previous startup like. I had a couple of experiences of like being about like something going wrong in production and being on the hook for it and being and having that sort of like terrified thing before. So I feel like I had a little bit of a little bit of experience or like, you know, like this wasn't like this was the first time that happened. So it was it was nice to sort of be going through that and like feeling a little bit more calm than I remember like last time this happened. Yeah. When things were going bad, too, the silver lining was at least people could still use the application. So the availability list would be outdated, but people could still make calls. They could still be productive. They could get their work done. Um, So I had a lot of anxiety, but at the same time, I was like, at least it's not like down, down. Like at least people can still be making these calls. Uh, Worst case scenario, if someone like it was so outdated, we could like prioritize their job or like get them the Alfred uh, integration installed so they could like immediately call that person or or find some hacky workaround. I just remembered there's another thing we were doing to like put out the fire we were we were manually clearing out the jobs from the team that we knew was the problem to like make way so like these jobs would be coming in and we would like clear out all the jobs that were originated from like user ids from like that team and like clear those so that you know so that like ever all the other teams like could could make it through and so that would like so we were doing that constantly it was like we had to like do it constantly in order to like keep it mostly working we had an artisanal handcrafted background job strategy for a couple hours <laughs> i'm just picturing you guys in like this big old school factory and there's this assembly line and you're just taking <laughs> taking boxes and chucking them off to me that's yeah pretty accurate <laughs> oh that's great those are the memories though you'll, you'll never forget that and hopefully you can already look back upon it fondly. I mean, it sounds like uh, all things considered it was pretty good because you didn't have a, a long phase of like I don't know what's go- things are going wrong and I don't know what the cause is. Right. That's that's when it's really bad when you're like, um, and I've definitely had my share of those. But as soon as you flip over into the, OK, problem identified now, now we just got to execute. Then it is. Yeah, it is. Get, sometimes you get this weird calm that comes over you where you're like, OK, I'm, I'm hyper focused now because it's, it's go time. Mm-hmm. It's, there's also I think uh, there's a, there's something that I really like where it's like it forces decisions quickly. Mm-hmm. So you just don't you can't spend time like 
debating and waffling and what it's like, all right, we just got to, we got to make a call right now. And I kind of actually appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So Derek, after the show last week, you and I decided we would start doing a little like a huzzah section where we share something positive that happened for a little uh, positive focus in life. And uh, I'm just going to share a quick thing. So we, we sent an email after people's first call, asked them how it went and got a really nice response recently. I'm just going to read it, which is uh, Tuple is awesome. Incredibly high quality stream, which makes text nice and crisp. No complaints whatsoever so far, which is it's so nice to get a to get positive reviews like that. Now, he's only had one call, so <laughs> no complaints so far. Not that impressive, but uh, still still good. Yeah, that's great. That's that's you want everyone to feel that way after their first call. I mean, you've that means you've you've nailed your first round experience. Uh, my high point has been well, two things. Um, one, the weather has been getting nicer here in Minnesota, and for for Minnesota, that means it's like in the forties now, <laughs> which I have said this to a few other people in different parts of the country, and they're like, "That is, dude, that is not nice." But for Minnesota, it's very nice. Um, so I've managed to get out on my bike and taken some really long, uh, long bike rides, uh, socially distanced, of course, around the city, and it's just uh, it's nice to be able to get out and get fresh air um, after kind of a, a long winter. And I've also been doing virtual dinners and happy hours. And I did a game night last night, you know, like kicking in the gears of like, let's let's still figure out how to how to do some of the things I normally would do, but can't right now in person and do them, you know, over Zoom or whatever. And um, it's been it's been really good. It's been really nice to kind of get that get that settled back into a bit more of a routine of of uh, of talking to people. I mean, I'll go next along along similar line. A uh, lot of crazy things going on in the world right now, um, but I think it has had a positive impact in my life where I'm now FaceTiming my little nephew like every day, multiple times a day, and I'm talking to my sister more. I've talked to some family who I haven't talked to in like a year. Um, I have a virtual dinner date planned with three couples tonight. So I feel like I've been getting closer to people even though I can't see them, uh, and I'm very grateful for that. Another high point is I'm really, really excited to have Don be joining the team on Monday. I feel like I've been somewhat burnt out the last couple of weeks, and he's kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm so excited to share this journey with him. I'm excited to be putting in a lot of work to prepare him and set him up for success and make his onboarding as enjoyable as possible. So that's been really pumping me up um, lately and getting me going. Yeah, so things have been pretty sort of stressful and just like, tons of volume and you know but like work working a ton recently and then yesterday we talked about uh or yet so yes, yesterday i installed uh animal crossing new horizons and we have this plan where we're gonna have our island i named it tuple vacay and ben and spencer uh, i did tuptopia <laughs> uh and uh ben and spencer and my wife carol we're all gonna you know hang out on the desert island and we're gonna catch butterflies and we're gonna build, we're gonna decorate our houses, and it's gonna be very nice. So I played a little bit, and it was very relaxing. It was nice to just kind of like, just do this like chill, like pleasant thing. So that was great. Cool. Well, should we wrap it, Mr. Derek? Yeah, let's wrap it. Thanks, guys, for cool. uh, for being here. It was fun catching up. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, gents. All right. Notes of the show. Notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.